Howdy folks, this is Chris White and this is Basic Business Advice. Have our 10th episode today and our panel of speakers, I'm gonna have them introduce themselves. Jordan Mullet, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks Chris. I am one of the owners of Sandler Training at the Ruby Group. We've got locations in Akron and Columbus and I'm based out of Berlin, Ohio. We help companies grow their top line revenue, their sales team, sales leaders, and then I'm also owner of the Berlin Escape Room. Uh, fun 60 minutes that you can have with your family. Thanks, Jordan. Dan Owalabi is our next panelist. Dan, go ahead and tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, so I'm the executive director of Branches Worldwide. It's an international faith-based nonprofit. I'm also an author, um, leadership consultant. Uh, I run lead a business called Owalabi Leadership um, as well. And our last panelist, Ken Hosteller. Ken. Thanks, Chris. Ken Hosteller. I'm a partner at White Law Office. And uh, yeah do a lot of transactional law. Uh, as modest as all of these guys are, they're coaches, they're leaders, they're business owners, they've been employees, they've been all over the spectrum of small businesses. And for the past nine episodes, and now entering into our 10th, they have been sharing in different ideas and topics and, I, and scenarios about their thoughts and how to speak into some of the difficult scenarios that small business owners will find themselves in. And today is no different. We've got A-plus retail as our scenario. Alex Anderson, she's been in business for eight years in retail and sales, and she's got about 18 employees. Alex is exhausted. She's sitting down with you guys in our metaphorical uh, coffee shop to talk a little bit about her business, and she's tired, but not because the business is having difficulty, but it's because of a guy named Phil. Phil is the top salesperson for the company, but he's also the biggest energy drain for Alex and everyone else on the team. Phil isn't overtly antagonistic, but he's constantly complains and has his hand out for more compensation, more recognition, those, those things. Alex has tried to talk to Phil in the past about this attitude, but there hasn't been any lasting changes following those conversations. She's just come down to the point that Alex would like to terminate Phil but there isn't a clear way to replace all the sales Phil is generating. Alex, she looks pretty stretched thin as you guys sit there across the table with her. When you three sit down and you get your cup of coffee out, where do you start with Alex? Well, Chris, I'll jump in there. Man, I, I can definitely feel for you, Alex. It's <laughs> Retail in itself can be very tiring, just dealing with the public all day and everything that goes on there. Congratulations on the size of your business, eight years in pretty incredible. Fills of the world can be difficult. And I'm, I'm thinking of Groundhog Day. I really love that movie. And if, if you're pretty sure the, there's a fill in there that comes up to uh, the main character every time and is just overly enthusiastic. And I think this is a little bit of what people deal with with the fill is you can definitely see the, the things that he says he's asking for more, um, always has his hand out, but that doesn't even include the things that you don't see. Because a lot of times that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more going on. And people like this can absolutely, they're not just draining you, the business owner, they're draining lots of other resources inside the company. They're just not happy. And it's very difficult in situations like this to know what to do. It, it, it's not easy to be able to have the courage to, to deal with this. It sounds like you've had a couple conversations. It sounds like you, you've made some efforts but at the end, you're really just hoping that Phil gets better. And it doesn't look like it's heading in that direction. You know, the truth is you're probably going to have to 
you're going to have to change gears. There's going to have to be some different things that are going to take place here. Very difficult situation. Ken, Ken, what are you picking up as you sit across from Alex? What are, what are you picking up when you look at this scenario? Sure. So a lot of times I feel like, you know, we, we use this kind of balancing scale of where we say, okay, well, I'm not going to fire someone until the pain of letting them go or the, the pain of what we're dealing with is, is greater than the pain of, of trying to replace them. And I don't think that that equation is always right. I think that you have to look at this scenario and say, okay, we recognize it would be very, very painful to replace Phil, but we may need to, we may need to go through that just so that we can move uh, beyond this and, and make so that we're, we're at a place where we're happy with person in this position. So I don't know if that's where the conversation starts that, that we have to, we have to let him go. Um, but we, we have to recognize that something has to change. Dan, I want to build off something Ken just said. Should she expect to just be in pain in her business with people? Should she just accept that? Or is there something that she could look at a future in her business where the people she work with, works with do not cause her pain? Is that something she should just accept? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a certain amount of pain that needs to come with, with leadership. I mean, that's, that, it comes with the territory. You can't get around it. You're going to have challenges with people. Um, what you really want to look for is progress. You want to know that they're getting better year over year. And if you're really particular, you're going to look at the speed in which they, they make that progress. Uh, but you want to look at progress. Everyone should be getting better or else they shouldn't be on the team. Either they're getting better or they're getting worse. And if Phil is just sort of saying where he's at and he's not improving specific things that you've brought up to him, you know, I would say it's time to really kind of, you know, put the hammer down. I heard this done really well before. I've done this before where you'll sit down with someone and essentially you'll call it a 911 conversation. And you'll say, hey, look, this is, this is our 911 conversation, meaning that this is the conversation that we have before I fire you. I want to let you know that here are specific things that I'm seeing. And you don't have to use that tone. You can be calm. You can be very factual. But saying, hey, look, you know, these are the things I'm seeing. And I'd love for you to be on the team if you can remedy these things in these specific ways. And I'm going to give you X number of days to figure it out. And ultimately, you know, if this isn't the position for you or you don't see yourself with our company in the future, then you can walk away at any time. But I just want to give you a fair shake and also thank them for their user service before that. But, you know, if you're going to if you're going to move on um, from Phil, it should never be a surprise. Like he should see it coming. Never, ever, ever surprise someone by firing them because that says more about your leadership than it does about their performance. And so you want to make sure that you lay a very clear line there. I mean, by the way, unless they're doing something like physically detrimental to people on your team, then you can fire them like yesterday, you know. But aside from that, you want to make sure that you give them a nice long runway or some sort of runway so they see it coming and they know they have an opportunity to fix their behavior. Jordan, you, you, you deal with specifically this range of people all the time. You know, Sandler does sales training and your goal is to create super producers, people who do amazing uh, sales and relationship building. But what, if, what about the fact if the salesperson doesn't fit? What if they're toxic to the environment they're in? Sure, they can talk to customers and they can put on what they need to for the customers. But what about if they're not a good fit inside the company or they're toxic to the company? What do you do then? Oh, you drop back and punt. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is every day. This is what we deal with. And I appreciate what Dan says. I wish I could take um, 
the way that Dan says it, bottle that up and exactly just hand it over to Alex. Alex, I'd love to be able to just give that to you. It's, it's difficult to wreck. It's difficult to be specific. It's difficult to even have the sense of where's that employee going? I love the gauge that you're using there that says, are they getting better? Are they getting worse? And unfortunately, there, most of us as business owners are optimistic, which means that we coach towards the, the optimism that they're going to get better. So it, saying that there's going to be a point in time when you're not going to be here is not in most business owners' thought process. They don't think of them as not being there. So they coach towards when you're going to be here in two weeks, I need you to do this, this, and this. They get agreement and then the employee goes out and does whatever they want. And so because of it, it just continues to create a gap. So business owners thinking, well, I had that conversation with them. And the employee's like, yeah, I must be meeting the needs because they haven't fired me yet. Um, so it, it's hard. So culturally, you have to determine what is okay and what's not okay inside my environment. And here's what's difficult. Most people haven't figured out what they're okay with and what they're not okay with and what that culture is. If you don't go do the hard work of saying, here are our code of values. Here's how we do business. Here is how what's important to us. It's going to be difficult to be able to spot what doesn't fit. You know, they, they use the, uh, when they teach people to spot fake currency, they don't tell them to go study the fake. They tell them to go study the original so that when they see a fake, they're going to know it right away. That's what we struggle with is go figure out what your culture is. What's important to you? What are you willing to die for inside your company? Then you'll know, and then you'll call it out every time. Then you'll start setting boundaries. It's hard. You know, that's exactly right, Jordan. I mean, I love that you said that because ultimately that's the fundamentals of running a really good business culture. You have to have that foundation of values that everybody agrees upon. And then you have the right to hold people accountable. If you haven't specified what behavior is acceptable, what's not acceptable, then you have zero right to hold people accountable to something that they didn't know they were supposed to do in the first place. You know, maybe maybe Phil thought that it was okay to have constant conversations about a salary, and that's just what he learned before. You know, he didn't realize that, look, this is about the team and not about you. And you hadn't spelled those things out. And so, I mean, ultimately, you've got to be 100% clear about what you allow and what you don't allow. And you got to make sure everybody's on board with that before you move forward. And, you know, the good news for Alex is that she can do that today. Like, she can sit down and say, hey, from this point on, here's how we're going to operate. And if everybody wants to be in on that, and, you know, maybe the team gets together and they work on that together. But at some point, she says, hey, look, this is who we are. Everyone who's in, this is what we're doing from this point on. Don't worry about yesterday. From this point on, we're doing this. And then people who don't agree with that, maybe Phil is in that, that category, he'll weed himself out. And it'll be very easy to say, hey, Phil, based on your behavior over the last couple of weeks, you clearly don't agree with what we've already agreed upon. I think you should find your way out. Dan, you wrote a book, Authentic Leadership, which you know we appreciate all of us have read and we've talked about before. You just proposed changing horses or even getting on a horse midstream. You talked about creating a paradigm of accountability midstream when one hasn't maybe existed. What is an authentic leader's responsibility in that moment? Because you just said, while this machine is moving, put your hand inside of it and, fun- and tune it up. What, what, do you yeah. see, what do you see an authentic leader's responsibility in that scenario being? Yeah, there, there's some, that's a great point, Chris. You know, it is difficult because you still got to run the business at the same time. You know, there's sales that feels generated that are going to stop to some degree. And so you got to pick that up again. The question is how you do it. Well, you do it by building a strong relationship with the rest of the people on your team. If you've done a good job generating influence with other people and they get where you are coming from and where you're going and they believe in you and your leadership, 
When you approach Phil and you say, hey, look, I don't think there's, this is a place for you anymore. And then you approach the rest of the team and you say, hey, Phil's not on the team anymore. I need us to pick up the slack. People will trust that you made the right decision and they'll get on board and they'll together pick up the slack until you're able to find someone to replace Phil. But they'll get it because they all sort of buy into the values and they buy into you. And then when they realize that Phil's outside of that, they're going to say, hey, <laughs> when are you going to get rid of this guy so we can all move forward? It's amazing how many times people will fire people, right? And they turn around to the rest of the team and everyone's like, thank you. Like, what took you so long? You know, so it's super important that she understands that this is not just for the sake of the business, but it's also for the sake of the culture. And if she's able to build an excellent culture, then people will be glad to pick up the pieces after Phil leaves. Can, can bring, bring your perspective in on this. When you look at the fact that Phil is a super producer inside of this team, but he's also a toxic mentality, how would you approach this? Sure. So, you know, I, I like the fact that Dan and Jordan have, have talked a lot about leadership and, and changing the culture. And, and I don't want to undermine any of that. I think that there's some real value in that. But I also think that we need to look at uh, some other possibilities with this. We may need to look at changing the structure for someone like Phil. You know what? If he's someone who doesn't work well within that salary structure and, you know, we feel like he's constantly questioning, what about saying, okay, you know what, Phil, you're going to be an independent contractor. You're going to be on your own. We're going to start setting some sales numbers for you. You're going to be your own boss. If you're not able to figure it out, that means it's not a good fit for us. So I just, I want to make sure that we look at the conversation of this is not only a you know what, we've either got to, we've either got to rehabilitate Phil to a certain level, or we've got to fire him. There are other options in which we can say, you know what, we can change the structure. There are other tools that we can use that might be a better fit for him. Now, he could be an independent contractor, still have a terrible attitude, may not be a great, a great thing long term, but it allows us the ability to start saying, okay, well, we can hire another salesperson. We can start working toward uh, a more gradual exit versus, hey, you know what? It's Monday. Phil was here last week. He's gone. Everyone else, we've got to pick up the pieces. Our sales are really going to hurt for several weeks. And then, you know, eventually we hope to get back to where we were uh, with Phil. So I just want to make sure we have that conversation. Well, Ken, I think that's amazing. I mean, I like that perspective. I think as a servant leader, what you want to do is you want to be as as helpful to everybody as possible. And so, you know, not abruptly firing Phil is, is, a, is, is a desirable outcome. That's really what you want. You can reposition him, put him on a different seat in the bus. That's also desirable. You don't want to upend his entire family. So you're caring about him, the business, everybody. That's servant leadership. So I love that. But here's the thing I think that we're missing in this conversation. It is also very important for the culture to see that you are willing to take drastic action to combat bad behavior. Like you are not afraid to make a bold step to say, this is unacceptable. And so I know the feeling on Monday morning when Phil was here on Friday and you didn't know that there was anything wrong and you show up to the water cooler, and you're like, Phil's desk is empty. What the heck happened? Like that sense of fear that takes over the whole organization. I've been there. I've seen that. It happens and it hurts. But the reality is you need to make sure, not all the time, but there are times that you need to make sure that everybody knows what is unacceptable and what is acceptable. And you use Phil as an example, or you use Phil as someone, hey, look, this is what we don't want to be, whatever. But you have the guts to make bold steps and say, hey, this is the kind of culture I'm creating. I want everyone to be in on this. Here's why I'm doing that. And you'd be amazed how many people snap to attention once they realize there were real consequences to their behavior in the organization. 
and I think that's true. I think the the part that's often missed is as leaders, it can be really hard to identify to others exactly what behaviors, what actions Phil was taking that clearly didn't fit within the culture of our company. Oftentimes, it just feels like, okay, well, we fired this person. Oh, well, did he not get along with the, the leader? You know, what, what, what was the root cause behind that? Because it's really hard to say, well, he had a bad attitude. What does a bad attitude mean? Where does, you know, what, what characteristics was he specifically doing that we want to avoid as a company? So if we're going to take that big dramatic step, I think we've got to be really clear about these are the things that we will not tolerate in the business. I think this is one of the reasons why this is so different, difficult is because there are so many angles when it comes to looking at correcting somebody's behavior, or ending their behavior, or ending terminating their, their employment. It's very difficult. And having good counselors like a Ken and a Dan in your corner in those moments can mean all the world because like, you miss so many things. One of my favorite stories, I was sitting, I was at a networking event, got sat beside the VP of operations of uh, a restaurant business. They had four locations. And I forget how it came up in conversation, but they said that they had an underperforming store uh, restaurant. And so they set a date and like on March 12th, he went in, took over the store, fired the manager and then said, hey, look, this store, this restaurant's been underperforming for X amount of days. We have noticed that there's a lot of things that are not being held up to our standard. Here's what our standard is. And he set the bar, let everybody know. And he said, I'm just going to give you a choice right now. Whoever doesn't feel like they can work under that bar is free to go. Here's what we're going to do for you if you leave. And he said, 30% walked out immediately. And then he addressed the ones that were still there. He said, some of you will not make it in the next couple of weeks. You're going to decide that you don't like the way this is going. That's okay. Um, When you want to leave, just come tell me and we'll help you out as well. And then for those of you that decide to stay, this is how we're going to operate. And I, my, mind, my mind was blown. Like, I was just like, I had never heard anybody talk like that. I had never, and in my mind, I'm going like, how did you get there? He said, well, that's just easy. We made that decision a long time ago. That's how we decided to operate. That is difficult, right? I, that is not in my nature. That is not how I'm built. If I'm going to operate at that level, I need people around me. There. I need people that are going to help me make that decision. And when it comes time to carry that out, I need support. It's just not natural. I got to tell you, one resource that has really helped me with that type of conversation is Jack Welsh with Susie Welsh. His his book called Winning has a chapter in there called Letting Go is Hard to Do, Parting Ways. Absolutely phenomenal way of actually just addressing what we're talking about. Jack ran GE for so many years. Um, Get that book, Winning by Jack Welsh, and go find that chapter. Everything that we're talking about in here, he lays out to be able to help. Jordan, I think that's awesome. I mean, Jack Walsh is an amazing guy. I mean, you're 100% right about leading GE. Here's the challenge on the other side. You know, Jack Welsh was called Neutron Jack for a reason. I mean, he had this, he had this, this policy where, you know, the bottom 10% of the company were eliminated automatically every year, right? So I think there's a balance there. I love what you're saying about the guy who had the franchises because, you know, ultimately you want to make sure that you, you give people an off-ramp hey, this is who we are, and this is your opportunity to lead. But if you do that too much and you do that too frequently, you create a culture of fear in your organization, and everything is based on merit. Everything is based on your production, and not much is based on your development or your growth. And so I think Ken hits a really good point a a few minutes ago where he talks about balancing someone's development and your, your ability to position them in the organization versus firing them. 
But Jordan, you're making a great point because ultimately you've got to have the courage to do that every now and then. And in order to do that, you've got to have people around you who are able to speak the truth and say, look, you've got to let this dude go. And something else I'll throw in with is that uh, he was really mentor futures. <laughs> so look at GE today, uh, they're really struggling. So the takeaway that I think for guys that we have set around here is that Alex probably needs to be focusing on very clearly defined boundaries inside of her business. Meaning, what is her business? What is her business culture? And setting those boundaries around that. Uh, what, what kind of people fit inside of those boundaries and what kind don't? And what can, the choices that she, does she need to make outside of that? So guys, thank you so much for all of your contributions today. Thank you for what you have brought to the table on this topic. And folks, as you are listening to this, thank you for joining us for our 10th episode, Basic Business Advice. We ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please, if you ever have any issues that you are encountering in your business, find Ken, find Jordan, find Dan. They are great coaches who are actively involved in helping leaders find their way forward. So for her, on behalf of Ken Hostetler, Jordan Mullet, and Dan Olavi, thanks for listening.